and Luke. We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hour number two, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, Wolf, the running back room. How did you say it? I said Wolf and Luke Show, like okay. putting the emphasis on right. the wrong word. Okay, the Wolf and Luke. Show no, no, obviously it should be the Wolf and Luke. Uh, oh, show. I see. All right, great. I noticed you said Wolf and Luke show. Okay, so what were you actually going to talk about? I don't in this know. Beautiful That's why I'm part of the program right now. I mean, no. was it uh, the Cardinal related at all? It was Cardinal was it, related. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> was, was that you asking me if you should go, listen just, or not? Absolutely. No, no. <laughs> I just uh, it would, I didn't know if you're going to buzz it up or something like that. Uh, you wanted to talk Arizona Cardinals. What specifically did you want to talk? about? I, okay, so we've been talking about the running back room. And how deep it is and how they're going to have to make at least one tough decision. I would assume they keep four of these guys. But, you know, watching the game last night, Wolf, it, it, that's, this is going to be one of the toughest, maybe the toughest decision on the team because nobody's really separating themselves. Like, if you looked at the game last night with, uh, let's just look at Eno Benjamin, Keontae Ingram, and Jonathan Ward. You know I like Eno, but I would yeah. say of the three, he had the least impressive. I mean, evening, he didn't really get the ball a whole lot. But if you were going in that game being like, okay, this is Eno's chance to separate himself, he didn't. And in fact, I thought Keontae Ingram looked pretty good, more so in the passing game. And I thought Jonathan Ward looked good just across the board like he kind of tends to do. So I would say behind James Conner at this point, and I guess behind Darrell Williams, because he's not really playing a whole lot in the preseason, it seems like the other three guys are like in a, almost a dead heat. Yeah, you know, it really is interesting right now. I don't know what to say about it either. I do know that I think they're going to keep four running backs in that room. I don't know how in the world you could keep five. I just don't see that. There's just For a one-back offense to keep five just seems redundant and ridiculous, to say the least. So I think four, because especially when you consider Jonathan Ward, you're talking about special teams at that point in time for the most part. I think Daryl Williams is here. We all know James Conner is here, of course. It's that third position right now. Eno Benjamin, listen, before last night, I thought Eno Benjamin was here as well. Yeah, I thought he was clear-cut. I thought he three. was here, and yeah. he still may be indeed here. But, man, Jonathan Ward made a serious push last night. Keontae Ingram just continues to look good. He just looks like an NFL running back, doesn't he? I mean, Ingram's numbers last night were not no none of them actually had impressive numbers. It, Ward had three carries for eleven yards. Ingram had four for nine. Eno had four for twelve. But Ingram got it done through the air a little bit. He had a big third down conversion, and Jonathan Ward had ninety return yards. Yeah, you know, honestly, in that I would disagree with you. I thought Jonathan Ward was the guy that really, really flashed last night watching him play as a running back or as a receiver, especially as, as a guy that's going to make this team. Yeah, I, I think across the board, <laughs> I think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah as a guy that has an opportunity, I should say, to make this team. Jonathan Ward, I thought, was the story of the first half. The fact that he he had that 48-yard return, beautiful 48-yard return right up the middle of the field 
on kickoff. And then um, we know that he had that big play as well. The 27-yard pass reception. An excellent job coming out of the backfield and a great read by Trace McSorley as well. And then, of course, three carries for 11 yards. If you go back and look at it, I thought thought Jonathan did an awesome job stoking it. Those three carries. Go back and look at it. The effort that he actually gave on it. You'll be surprised. He was the story, I thought, of the first half. The guy that flashed the most for the Arizona Cardinals in that first half was Jonathan Ward. I don't disagree at all, especially with the return and the catch, to the point where that was kind of where I was going. I don't know how you keep him off the team. I'm just saying as as, as purely as runners, the Cardinals ran the ball 21 times for 55 yards, and 15 of those were on one carry from Jarrett Garantano. So as far as just like if you were just looking, hey, running back numbers, just running the ball. Eno didn't do much. Ward didn't do much. Ingram didn't do much. But the thing is, Ward and even Ingram are finding ways to impact yeah. the game in other areas. I don't know how you keep Ward off the team because you know what he can do for you in special teams. And he had 90 return yards last night. Like He had the return you're talking about, but he had a he had other good returns, too. And he had the 27-yard catch. So is it really going to come down to Ingram and Eno, or is Eno already here? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I think we'll get some clarity maybe in Tennessee based on how much these guys play. If Eno Benjamin doesn't play a lot in Tennessee, that tells me they've already made up their mind that Eno Benjamin is going to be here. If Jonathan Ward plays a lot, that tells me, hey, listen, he's on the bubble, and they're giving him the opportunity to go ahead and go out and play and play well and then make up their mind for them. Keontae Ingram is the wild card, though. He really is to me. The biggest wild card in that running back room is Keontae Ingram because he's flashed a little bit when given the opportunity to run. Now, there was a short yardage carry that he had last night. Did you see the power and the way he was churning the legs and he got the first down? He looks like an NFL running back. He looks like a guy that could have, yeah, an opportunity um, to build a career. He definitely looks like that guy. Having said that, um, can you cut him? Can you cut him and bring him back on the practice squad? Is that a possibility? Yeah, it's a possibility. Unless somebody picks him up. That's the problem. He seems like the sort of guy, and I don't know if it'll happen with the Cardinals because this room is so full right now, but he seems like the sort of guy, Wolf, that ends up having to start for the Saints or something at some in week 14 or you know he ends up getting a few starts next season for Denver or something if he's not here and all of a sudden he rips off a couple you know not not talking about like Ladanian Tomlinson here but we're talking about a guy that goes out there and I think could do some damage as a running back in this you know league. What to, this is something to watch right here my brothers this is something you really need to pay attention to um, having a jam-packed running room like the Arizona Cardinals seem to have and there are some other teams that actually have it but Having this jam-packed room really isn't a bad thing when it comes to trading for a corner, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So maybe all of a sudden you've got some guys where you can clear up your running back room a little bit by including them in a trade for a corner. Yeah, that that trade for a corner, if you want to include a running back or if you like one of these receivers, something. Exactly. You you may want to do that fairly soon. Time to pack them up. Here's uh, Cliff on the Cardinals Radio Network real quick last night on a Jonathan Ward shoulder injury. It's an AC, um, so it'll be painful for a little bit, but we're hoping not, not 
not too long. And also what he's seen from Ward. He just keeps getting better and better um, since the moment he stepped foot um, in this locker room. I mean, he, he really earned his way through special teams, and then as a back, the receiving aspect of it um, has really gotten gotten good. I mean, he can run routes like a receiver now, and so that's, that's a credit to him and his work ethic. Yeah, it is. You know, I really like Jonathan Ward, not because he's a special teamer. He's a football player through and through. I love his skill set, his effort, of course. It's just a jam-packed situation. It's one of the reasons why Jonathan Ward is going to be on an opening day roster somewhere. Just announced comedian Tom Segura is heading to Celebrity Theater for a special Netflix taping of his new world tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, what is Dave Pash? What has he seen from the Cardinals through two preseason games? We're going to ask the voice of the Cardinals. He will join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. It is the Wolf and Luke show. And, uh, you know, Wolf, I was I was driving back last night. And so the first quarter of the game I heard in my car, right up to the moment where you made your Isaiah likely joke of he's likely to make the team. And I just heard our next guest groan and then I got out of the car. Dave Pash is uh, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Dave, I don't, I don't even know. How, how do you do it? How do you work with this guy? Well, I'll tell you, the guy that really put him in his place was Kyle Vandenbosch. I mean, Kyle, who is a budding broadcast talent, like, made the fullback joke and then <laughs> mic drop. Wolf tried to, like, go deep, deeper into the woods, like, Josh Hokett, not Hockett, but Hokett. Kyle, what are, you, are you surprised? <laughs> and, Kyle, and Kyle's answer is yes. Like, he was done with it. He was just done. He was moving on. Yes. David, um, right away, man, your thoughts of what you saw preseason game number two against the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I wish I had more for you guys, but as you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of the preseason football. I, I don't know even with the backups really how much we can glean. I mean, there were some players that flashed Chandler Wooten. Yeah, I just comes down to like how much do you weigh how a guy performs in in preseason against how he's performed in practice, and you know, with pads on, without the pads, going even back to the spring. I mean, I have to think there's only a handful of guys that really at this point are on the bubble and maybe somebody like a Chandler Wooten makes you take a little bit longer look. Maybe it changes your mind because you want to make sure you vet properly throughout this whole process. But, you know, most of the guys, again, that we're talking about and evaluating are either going to be at the back end of the roster or won't even be here. Look, it's important to the players. I get it. Uh, There are a lot of guys that without preseason games wouldn't have had careers. There are guys that were undrafted or late round picks that, you know, shined in preseason and either got, you know, made the team or got cut by that team and got on somewhere else and ended up having a great career. So it's still important. I get it, but I just I don't know how much really we can you know, I don't remember one preseason game in twenty two years of doing this. I did one year of the Bills preseason games in two thousand one. Like I can't go back and say, Wow, I really remember this memorable moment or game game um but i think at least with uh, with yeah, i think the best part of this guys sorry for the long-winded answer the best part of all of this to me is what kyler murray is getting out of this i think first of all the humility of cliff 
to basically say, okay, give it a shot, play calling in the fourth quarter. I think it's helping Kyler understand more about what Cliff does, more about the behind-the-scenes operation. I think it's helping Kyler relate to the other quarterbacks. Uh, I, I think this is a beautiful thing that the Cardinals have done with Kyler and letting him call plays. We're talking to Dave Pash. Dave, we were just talking about this earlier. Why, why do you think more teams with younger quarterbacks, obviously it'd have to be like a Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that that has younger quarterbacks, why do you think more teams don't do this? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks aren't involved in play calling at all. I mean, I think Kyler's always been involved. And I think, too, I'm sure there are times where, you know, play's been called and maybe Kyler, you know, turns it away and does his own thing. I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy to do that. And maybe this, again, gives him a little bit more perspective into what is going through Cliff's mind when he's calling a play. He's not just out there calling a play. He says, okay, guys, uh, let's just run this here on this play. No, it's all about setting things up. You set things up during the week. You have a plan. Uh, you have obviously certain things you're going to call on, you know, third and one that are different from first and ten. I mean, the deep ball on fourth down, like, that was a Kyler call, right? I mean, instead of taking maybe something underneath, you know, if that's Kyler Murray, he wants to take a shot. He wants to prove everybody wrong, and I like that competitiveness about him, but maybe, you know, by calling that and not working, maybe he takes a, a longer look next time when the Cardinals are in that situation, and it's Kyler on the field that has to make that throw. You know what, David, I was thinking, though? I was thinking of Bill Belichick, man. I really was. Um, because, you know, preseason is so vanilla, right? It's so vanilla. It's not like you're game planning for any team out there. Nobody is game planning. It's so vanilla that you can kind of determine what is in the soul of a quarterback based on some of the plays that he's calling. And yeah, you're using very base plays, but they are still plays in your offense. And it kind of, I thought of Bill Belichick being so myopic that he would sit there and take a preseason game and assign an assistant to an assistant coach to break the tape down and actually get all of the calls that were made by Kyler Murray and then charge him and and just kind of like glean what it is that he liked. I, I mean, is that something ridiculous? Probably. No. But is it something I don't possible? Know. I think it's possible. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? You know, why wouldn't you go through and say, all right, yeah, um, maybe we have a better idea watching game film and comparing it with some of the preseason film. Okay, what Kyler really likes, and can we take that away? And again, you don't know. I think the hardest thing, and Wolf, one of the things I really appreciated about working with you for the last 18 years is, you know, sometimes I'll ask you, hey, what happened there? And you'll say, I don't know. And the reason I don't know is I don't know what was called. I mean, how many times have we had conversations off the record with a coach or a player? And I think even on, you know, the ESPN side of things I've learned over the years of, boy, you thought it was one thing and it really was another. It really had nothing yes. to do with that. I mean, there's so many things that... And that's even for a Bill Belichick or somebody outside the organization. They really don't know what was called. Maybe they can guess based on formation and tendencies and things they've seen watching film. And, and that's why it you know, separates guys that are great at this and guys that are just okay. It's the amount of time put in. It's understanding what you're seeing. And, and that's why I say, again, I think the best thing of preseason so far is Kyler calling the plays and having these conversations with Cam Turner and Cliff. I'm sure they're talking during the week, too. It's not 
college. We're saying, all right, Kyler, have at it. Fourth quarter, here we go. They've talked about it during the week. Yes. We're talking to Dave Pash. Uh, Dave, as far as just the preseason in general, I didn't have this thought really until I watched, I saw some of the Chiefs game, and you know, it's obviously the Cardinals are playing in week one, and Mahomes goes out there and throws 19 passes, completes 12, throws a couple touchdowns to kind of get in sync with some of his new receivers. Are you concerned at all that the Cardinals aren't getting enough out of this preseason because they're not playing anybody? I mean, even Colt McCoy hasn't played yet. Right. Well, look, I think there's always, there's always, a, I mean, there's a concern either way. There's a concern that they go out there and play and they get hurt. It's like with Roquan Smith. So let's say Roquan Smith decides not to accept, sounds like he's not going to accept the Bears deal. If we look back a year from now and he gets paid, he has an unbelievable year and gets a ridiculous contract, although the Bears can franchise him, uh, we're going to be like, wow, what a smart move to gamble on yourself. But if he goes out there and rips up his leg, we're going to look back and say, boy, what was he thinking? I mean, the outcome is going to determine whether we look back and say smart move or not smart move. Look, health is most important to me going into week one. Preseason, Cliff never had preseason in college. And, you know, it's – but, yeah, I mean, you'd love to see in game action. If if the the offense went out there and looked great and was in total sync and nobody got hurt, I'm sure we'd say great decision. But if somebody gets hurt and is lost for the year, we'd be like, what were they thinking? So I'm good with how the Cardinals have – you know, game plan and, and set the blueprint for this preseason. David, what room are you concerned about the most? I think it's the cornerback room. Still. I, I Yeah, I mean, we talked last night on the air. You might have the best safety tandem in the NFL. I'm not sure if that helps you in terms of covering up your corners, especially when you're, you're unsure about what your pass rush is going to look like. Like, if Byron Murphy plays like he did for most of last season, you've got a really good player at that position. Can Marco Wilson refine that, that mojo and that confidence he had at the, at the beginning of last year? And Antonio Hamilton's a guy that's been around. Clearly they like him. But, you know, after that, where are you going? Is there somebody on another roster that you have your eye on and you're just waiting to see what happens? I mean, guys get cut for a reason. I mean, Josh Jackson got cut for a reason, even though he's a second-round pick just a few years ago. We've seen some good things out of Josh Jackson. We've seen him struggle at times. So I'd have to say that right now is the biggest area of concern for me. Dave Pash, great stuff as always, man. We always appreciate the time. Thank you. Yep, you got it, fellas. See ya. Thank you, David. It's Dave Pash joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right there. Yeah, I think I think pretty universally, it seems like we're all kind of on the same page. The corner cornerback room has, uh, and it's tough as a as a cornerback to go out there and make some amazing play in limited preseason action that makes everybody feel better, right? But just in general, we all kind of expected that would be the shakiest room, and it kind of has been. This is the week, though, right now, where if you like a player. And you know you're going to cut the player. You like him, though, and respect him. You're going to cut him this week. If you know him, give him time to find a team. This is going to be the week right here where I think maybe if, in fact, Steve Kime was looking at a roster and hoping there was going to be a cut so he wouldn't have to trade for a corner, it would be this week. So keep your eyes open on that one. The problem, and we can get back into this later, but I, I like your idea of trading for one more because if there's a guy out there that's decent that gets cut, it's not like the Cardinals have first claim or second claim. I mean, yeah. they, they won 11 games last year. Yes. <laughs> this guy's got to make it through a good number of teams to even be available for the Cardinals. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, who's flashing on defense? How are you feeling about Zayvon Collins following preseason game number two? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports station. 
Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, no Will Hernandez last night, Wolf, so if you were looking for starters, it's not like Zayvon Collins was the only one you could watch. You could always look at that uh, that corner position, try to figure out how much Antonio Hamilton's going to play, uh, but Zayvon Collins is the main guy. I think that's the, the main guy that most of us agreed we were going to be watching during this preseason, and we're now two games in. We are basically, I don't know, three, three and a half weeks now into camp. Where uh, where are you in terms of confidence? So like I keep thinking, like if the Chiefs game was tomorrow, how good would you feel about the yeah. inside linebacker position? Well, I'd be a little concerned, frankly. I would. Um, Zayvon Collins, I think, played better in game two than he played in game one. Um, he made plays. As a matter of fact, I was really encouraged in that first quarter. That first quarter, Zayvon Collins flashed, made some plays, made some tackles. Right, did a good job in pass coverages. Well, I, I was I was uh, very pleased with the first quarter. The second quarter, uh, not so much. I'm not saying he was awful by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he wasn't, but he he just seemed um, he seemed to take a step back in the second quarter, and that tells me that once again it's kind of up in the air a mixed bag, as Kyle Vandenbosch said. Yeah, here's Kyle on with us last hour. Last night I came away with the impression that it was a mixed bag. Because he, you know, made an open field tackle, um, seemed to be in on another couple tackles. But um, watching it this morning, I, I think he's still got work to do. To be honest with you, um, seems like he gets swallowed up by blockers quite a bit. Um, and um, just watching him a couple times, it seemed like he played on the wrong side of a block. Um, he's just not quite as instinctive as he needs to be at that inside linebacker position. Um, and uh, the one pass. Uh, early in the first quarter, where um, it was it was blown coverage, it appeared to be um, he had like a hook curl drop, and he chased the receiver into the flat, and then the middle of the field was wide open. So um, while you know I'm I'm certainly not um, an expert on coverages, it appeared like that was possibly uh, he was partially responsible for that play as well. Yeah, you know, once again, um, that really doesn't concern me for the most part. Um, I'm just the the first thing that a Mike linebacker has got to do is get off blocks. Uh, Let me back that up. The first thing that he's got to do is know what to do. Okay, that's that's a good place to start. That is the first thing. Okay, (laughs) isn't that the first thing we all have to do? You have to. Yes, exactly right. You have to know, but it's so critical once you get in between those white lines, especially when you're playing Mike linebacker. You have to know what to do. That's number one. And. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Nobody does unless you're inside that room. You, that's when you know if Zayvon Collins actually is getting it or not. See, and this is, and I forget who said this last week, but but it, it has stuck with me. I think it's a really good point. We're all sitting here trying to evaluate Zayvon Collins, right? Because he's really the guy that, that is the lightning rod for criticism if he has a bad year. He's certainly the easiest guy to look at in these preseason games and be like, they need him in week one. Why can't he dominate against second stringers on on Baltimore or Cincinnati. 
But I do think there is something to the fact that we don't know how he's going to perform when he's out there against number ones, yes, but also when he has his number ones around him, too. That has to impact you a little bit at that position, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's a that's a great observation, Luke. Yes, it does, especially when you're talking about inside linebackers. That's why a defensive line is in front of you. It's why it's so important that that defensive line is good against the run. And this is where the Arizona Cardinals' defense overall has got to improve and do it dramatically, is against the run. But Zayvon Collins, again, once you know what to do, for me, it's still about getting off blocks. If you're a Mike linebacker, it's getting off blocks. So much of the time, would you say that an offensive line is accounting for the Mike linebacker if they're going to run the ball? (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) They have a guy that is going to block you every play. It doesn't matter if it's on the perimeter. It doesn't matter if it's going north and south in between the tackles. They are going to block you if you're a Mike linebacker. You have got to get off blocks. That's what you got to do. Honor your gap, get off blocks, and make tackles. And um, I thought that Zaven Collins, again, started in the first quarter pretty well. I thought he got into a couple of, of uh, plays and made some plays. And I was really encouraged. And then in, in the second quarter, um, he seemed to go a little quiet for the most part and had some problems getting off blocks at that point in time. But it was better than what it was in Game 1. No. So now let's hope that it gets better in Game 3. Going into the regular season, who knows what we're going to get. Uh, here's Cliff on Zavin after the game on the Cardinals radio network. He continues to, to improve. Uh, the game's definitely slowed down for him from, from last year and when he fires and he's not thinking you can see that um, you know athletic ability and that size really on display and, and he just has to keep doing that. that. That to me is all you're asking for right now. Is he getting better each week? Yes. Then we'll see in week one You know where, where that baseline is for regular season games going forward but the hope is that each week this season or you know every couple weeks you should be able to notice a, a tangible improvement. Now the defense in general, Cliff wasn't all that happy with them in the first half last night. Yeah that was the biggest deal. I thought we were in place just um, got to get those guys down and that tight end from Coastal had a nice nice half and uh, he was impressive in college so I could see him uh, having a nice role in their offense but we got to be better tackling. He wasn't real happy with the tackling and, and you know Baltimore's quarterbacks uh, Huntley and then Brown they started the game 21 of 23 oh, through the air that's not ideal I know it was pretty incredible um, you know in my observations I always write them down as I'm doing the game, calling a game, I will I will write them down. The Ravens' backups seem to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Yep. That was my, my number one takeaway, Luke, on both sides of the ball. Number two, the Arizona Cardinals' red zone offense has got to get better, and it will. They've got to run the ball, particularly run the ball better. Once again, when when you get down into the red zone, especially inside the 10-yard line, oh my goodness, the square footage is so cut down. It's so reduced. And then you fill that square footage with incredibly talented human beings that um, are not playing college football, but are playing pro football, where they spend all day, all day, 
trying to determine how they're going to derail you and your offense. <laughs> okay, it becomes very hard. Those windows are very, very small to throw the ball. You need to be able to run the ball, and this is where I think the Arizona Cardinals really can get better is running the ball in the red zone. I, I, I found myself watching that game last night because I don't watch a lot of Ravens preseason, but I know that they've won now twenty-two in a row. Maybe they're just a deeper team than a lot of teams. I know this is spread out over six years. We can get into this later on. But, you know, the Ravens, maybe they are just a deep team. They're not really super top-heavy. And so that doesn't always help you in the in the regular season or in the playoffs, I should say. But we do. We saw them go through, like, five running backs last year. Like, they always they seem to have depth. Tyler Huntley's not a bad quarterback. Yes. No, I, mean, I wouldn't yes. be starting him in week one. But he was really good in college. And he's looked good in these first uh, couple games in the preseason. And too. I just want to say, too, in terms of the physicality, of the game overall in terms of the line of scrimmage being dominated by the Ravens and then the red zone, tackling was number three. And just how bad the tackling yeah. was by the Cardinals, especially in that first and, half. And tackling may have been number one for Cliff. I, I, he had a few cuts after the game where he brought up the tackling. All right, when we come back. We'll go around the National Football League. Great news, Wolf. Tom Brady is back with Tampa Bay. So this is now officially football season. We'll give you the uh, the latest news from around the league. I got some <laughs> couple different quarterback stories next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, let's go around the National Football League. Here we are through two weeks of the preseason, and uh, Wolf... Tom Brady is back with the Buccaneers, so I guess the masked singer will have to wait. Please don't tell me that's <laughs> no, the I don't case. Think that was it. Don't tell me that. Let, is you know it. what? Let's 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 pause on that for a second because it's it's it can't possibly be that. I think that's kind of been shot down. That, has, that, that was the talk. I just yeah. wanted to know. No, that talk's still that out there. That was the talk. If that of were last night. if that were really the case, if that however they reveal the masked singer, if that came out in two months, oh yeah, Tom Brady was singing. <laughs> Even Tom Brady would lose credibility with that. <laughs> Even Tom Brady that would. Is, it's unthinkable. Stop it. Missing, not, not that he was I, on I that show. I dismissed it out of hand. That he would be missing camp and preseason games for it. Hey, go do, do the show do or whatever. But yeah, miss training camp unless there's something seriously wrong. Make no mistake about that. I, I realize that this training camp in this NFL is a lot different than the training camp in the NFL I was in. I realize that, and I admit that. At the same time, it's not changed that much where you're going to go ahead and, you know, I'm going to be the mass singer. That's what I'm going to I'm going to take time away, as a matter of fact, and I'm going to miss practices. I'm going to miss games. I'm going to miss meetings. I'm going to miss it all so I can actually do this. Okay, guys? Thank you. No. And Tom Brady? I can't. You think Brady would have? No, no. No. That's what would make him such a good candidate for the masked singer because nobody would believe it. So just to be clear, when you say you got to have a good reason to miss camp, Dressing up like a toucan and singing Justin Bieber songs does not qualify as a good reason. It does not. Okay, good. And then we're on the same page. Oh, it's nasty. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau likely to miss three weeks with a sprained MCL. That uh, story has come out this morning. So yeah, three weeks. That. Eh, he could feasibly be back, be back by the Giants' first game. You know, I'm happy for him, though. Young guy like that, a rookie trying to make his way. Yeah, man, I'm glad he didn't blow it out. 
What do you make of the fact that there was that story out there during the game last night, I think it actually came from Jay Glazer, that the Ravens have offered Lamar Jackson more than Kyler Murray, which is kind of what I thought he was waiting for. Remember, like a month or two ago, I was like, I think yeah. I think he wants Kyler to sign first, and the Cardinals probably want Lamar to sign first. Yeah. And he signed, and, and supposedly the Ravens have offered him more, and he's still not signed. See in the supposedly right there. Can I see the details of that, please? Can I see that? I'm not saying that that isn't the case. Of course Lamar Jackson would want more money. Of course he would, even though he's representing himself. Of course Lamar Jackson would say, wait a minute, you know, I've won an MVP in this league. I've won playoff games in this league. I, yeah. You know, for me, um, yeah, I understand that. Of course he would want more money. Show me the details of this, though. How is it structured? How much guaranteed money is involved in this, and how is it structured? That's what I want to know. That's fair. And you also left out, if I were his agent, although he doesn't have one, If he, I'm sure he walks in there and says, I've also been a part of the longest preseason winning streak in NFL history. That's yeah, got to be worth something to Baltimore, he, too, right? I really. No? He looked great on the sideline last night, though, didn't he, though? <laughs> he's right there on, the, on that there TV. He's right there. Do you believe it? <laughs> Wearing the glasses. He looked great. He had the huge shield. This chain, man. I I have no idea. Is that real? Do you think that is real right there? Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's and real. And the necklace he was in. Do you think that that shield that he's got? That's why he needs more money in his next contract to, to pay for that thing. Do you think that thing is really, those are real diamonds in yeah. that? Is it really? I think so. No, you, I, I th- did you see the one he gave Mark Andrews? He gave him one. He, he was wearing it when he was doing the interview uh, on the sideline, but Man, <laughs> Lamar's just handed out you know what, I, Why aren't you a blend guy? I, I, would, I thought you'd be into blank. Maybe I'll work on it. I mean, honestly, you got, you know, with the black, all the black you wear, and black and bling, they go together really, really well. You got the black hair going, the black eyebrow. I mean, you you got that that black and bling thing. But here's here's the one thing that I would say. It is a lot easier to buy a black t-shirt than yes. it is to buy a gold diamond chain. I know, but you love the black suit. It looks so good. Well, if you, want to, if you get me a chain like Lamar's wearing, I will wear it only in this studio. Did you see Hollywood? Hollywood had yeah. it out there too, man. Hollywood had on this huge, and I think it said Hollywood. What was the if Debo had the one last year that was like the size of a person? Remember that he was wearing. It? <laughs> I was like, how's this guy running? Just awesome. It really is. It, it's kind of cool. The the NFL is really really different, obviously, in the year twenty twenty two, and what you can actually see in a preseason game. Well, yeah, because I mean, you obviously remember this, but it used to be like eh, your socks are three millimeters. Oh. More than they should be. Those are going to have to be adjusted or you're out of the league. I know coaches, man, coaches would sit there and say to you, don't you wear any jewelry out on that field. You wear jewelry out on that field. You know what? I had a coach literally say, I'm going to come and cut it off you with... If you're gonna like wear, lock cutters or something? Yeah. If you're going to wear a necklace, you're going to wear a wrist, you know, if you're going to wear a bracelet or something, they, he was going to come and cut it off you. I'm waiting for somebody to just wear a crown on the sidelines, just like a full, like, king's crown. Yeah, that's... I doubt that's going to happen. And maybe not this year, but we're getting there. But, I mean... I, I said this last week, Lamar Jackson, and I got nothing against the guy, and he's not my favorite. Like, I, it's just it, I'm totally neutral on Lamar Jackson. I, I actually, I, I kind of like Jackson. Lamar, so I shouldn't I say I'm totally him. neutral. I like Lamar, but I'm not like invested in how much money he makes. It stresses me out. He doesn't have a deal. Yeah, he doesn't have an agent, so he's doing it all himself, dude. You're 
like I'm worried he's going to get hurt without a deal. Just well, take this deal if it's more than Kyler's getting. But right now, obviously, they're not playing him in preseason. They're no. not doing it. They're not playing him at all. So they're not concerned about it until the season begins. And obviously, you've got Lamar Jackson. He's been waiting for this. Now, reportedly, again, I say reportedly, he has been offered more money than Kyler Murray. Show me the details of that. If you're the Ravens, though, at a certain point, I, I understand you want to get him signed. But he has said, week one starts, we're not talking about this again until after the season, right? That, that's, that's the deadline in his mind. The Ravens aren't really up against it here. Like, you'd like to get him signed, but if you don't, you can franchise him. There's other things you can do. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm the one who wants to get the deal signed by, by week one. I'm not saying you have to rush out, you know, three weeks ago and sign it, but... If you're getting close to something that is more than Kyler Murray just got and you are an injury risk because you're the quarterback that runs more than anybody else, that offense is, is built around Lamar Jackson running. I mean, there's no guarantees in football. I don't know why it stresses me out so much, but it does. Yeah, well, you know, you've got Tyler Huntley, man. He's, it's amazing to actually watch the Baltimore Ravens because they have institutionalized the dual threat quarterback. Yeah. All the way down. All the way down. All the way down. All the way through. This is this is who they are, and this is one of the reasons why I thought it was always very very curious as to what they were going to do with Lamar Jackson. Here he is, his fifth year. Right here it is. He's going into his fifth year, and all of a sudden, what are you going to do with Lamar Jackson? Honestly, are you going to? Is this a situation where you're thinking, man, we're just going to go ahead, we're going to draft another quarterback? Who's a dual threat? That's what we're going to do, and we're going to continue to take the best dual threat quarterback we possibly can because they'd have the pick of the litter when you stop and think about it. Because nobody else is Because nobody else is, is, is drafting dual threats. They're still looking for Josh Allen out there. They're still looking for guys that are more throw than they are run. Now, they want that. They want you to be athletic. They'd love for you to be athletic, be able to pull it down and run. But many teams are not looking for a dual threat guy. The Baltimore Ravens are. So I was wondering, you know, do you ever get to contract number two with the Baltimore Ravens? Because they're just going to go ahead and institutionalize the dual threat quarterback. And, oh, you know what? You've taken a beating over your first five years that we drafted you in the first round. You've taken a beating. Now we'll bring the new guy in. That's kind of an interesting thought because that was institutionalized there because of Lamar Jackson. But you're right. If he was just like, I'm not playing here anymore, it's not going to get to that. But if he was like that, they would just say, okay, well, we'll run Huntley out there this season and draft somebody next season, or maybe Think you just stick it. with Huntley. Uh, also, Baker Mayfield starting week one against the Browns. Um, not really a shock. No. If, if you're Carolina, you at least have to start him week one against the Browns, right? Yes. <laughs> Talk about a quarterback playing with a chip <laughs> on his shoulder in week one. Uh, Alright, we come back. We'll take you through the top sports stories of the day. Wolf and Down Your Lunch is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.